welcome back to Simply Soccer. I am your host, Michelle Hootink, and my co-host, Christian Conway. Mile high dreams achieved on Sunday. Yes, can you believe the U.S. men uh, came back to beat Mexico? What a rivalry, what a game. Um, I thought that the U.S. was going to get one back. Um, I really did. I called it literally a few seconds before uh, when I was texting with a friend, but I didn't know the game was going to turn out quite like it did. Christian, you were there in person. Yeah, and I, I think, yeah, I definitely think there was a sense of at least, you know, they go down a goal in the first minute, and I, I, I think there was a sense that it was just like, oh, here we go again. You know, like this is such a critical game, but to come back twice in the way they did and, and the heart they showed, I mean, it was, I, it, it was one of the most incredible just U.S. performances I've, I've seen in a very long time, and I understand, you know, there's definitely conversation about um, the the Nations League and, and its relative importance in the the FIFA the the Concacaf world, right? But this final, I think, almost makes it an incredibly important title now because of just how intense this final became and like the 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 drama and the both what happened on the field and off the field and just the the almost Shakespearean drama that the game took on over those 120 minutes. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people were saying this tournament uh, was was a glorified friendly, you know, but it's always good to see uh, your team, you know, get some more silverware um, and, and, and goldware, <laughs> that medal. Um, I I definitely, you know, this this game is definitely memorable um, and, and historical. Um, I, I think in terms of the rivalry, you know, um, but especially for us U.S. fans, right? Like we've been so disheartened. Uh, 2019, Mexico took the Gold Cup uh, from the U.S. once again. Um, you know, the U.S. women have been stellar. Um, unfortunately, they're not, you know, given the glory as they should be, even in their pay rate. So, you know, for the U.S. men to not qualify... Uh, you know, for the World Cup in 2018, we've, we're looming ahead uh, with uh, Gold Cup qualifications and World Cup qualifications. Um, this really just brought in the spark again as a fan, the belief. I mean, to be honest with you, I underestimated this team. I really, I, like I said, I knew that this team would get a gold back um, because the Mexico team, as more experienced as they are, you know, other than Ochoa, to me, like, that, you know, Chicharito wasn't there, right? So you, you still have, like, this this blooming team, and our team is, is budding, right? So, um, you know, you put your faith in guys like McKinney and Pulisic, but to see them, the entire team, step up and not only come back from being down, but just to see, you know, at the end of the day, the scoreline, you know, is 3-2, but to just be able to see all the effort and that heart, because that's that's what we didn't see uh, in past games. We were just, you just kind of feel like the, the team would, you know, the sails would lose wind. You see that they would just be so, and you just didn't feel the spirit and the fight. And, you know, you had uh, Onyewu and you had um, um, Dempsey sitting, you know, up in, now like as commentators and in in looking back and and reflecting on on their play and it's it's you miss that you know i've been following the u.s men since 2006 and t 
to be able to see that kind of spark come alive again, I, I mean, you know, they say it's the hope that kills you, right? Very Ted Lasso. But, but, it, but it's the hope that came back for me uh, in this ge- game and in our team so that when, you know, they're, they're going to be facing uh, Costa Rica in a friendly, you, you feel like, well, maybe they can actually not get CONCACAF for once, you know, that they're, they're actually contenders. And, and that's, that's all that a U.S. fan really can ask for. No, I, I think you make a very good point about um, uh, about this sense that this lost identity has returned because I think, you know, you talk about the team that was was so effective in two thousand nine, two thousand ten, especially you know, going to the Confederations Cup, breaking you know, it, it was stunning that Spain side that I believe had gone something along the lines of, you know, twenty games undefeated, um, or I think they were on a twenty game win streak. I don't even think it was an undefeated streak. And, you know, they go and they take Brazil two 0 at halftime in the Confederations Cup final and. You know, yes, they lose that Confederations Cup final, but you know they go to the World Cup in, in 2010. There's, of course, Landon's famous goal. You know, there's, you know, that that game against Ghana. But there was this sense around the team that, you know, we are willing to outwork you if you know if tactically we're deficient. If you know maybe we don't have the same skill as you do, but we're willing to just want it more. Like we're just willing to to push ourselves in a way that we know you can achieve. And I think that really was the cornerstone of success for the U.S for a very long time, ever since the program really rose to prominence um, around the 1994 World Cup. And and I, I think, you know, it, it's a delicate balance, right? It's a delicate balance between, you know, we have these incredibly skilled technical players. You know, you talk about Christian Pulisic, of course, uh, Gio Reyna, uh, Weston McKinney, uh, who are who are playing at, you know, some of the top, are you searching your desk, you know, playing at Barcelona? You know, they're, they're playing at some of the top clubs in Europe and in the world, indeed. You know, how do you marry this sense of, you know, it, it almost feels like oil and water, right? Like being technically gifted, technically skilled, kind of flashy and, um, you know, almost ethereal in a certain respect versus this, you know, and again, I, I always say it every single time on the podcast, but it's the only way I can describe it. Um, I hate this terminology, but it's the only way I can really describe it. But this blue collar, you know, kind of almost, you know, just, you know, we put our heads to the grindstone and just outwork. You know, it does almost feel like, you know, that marriage is a very um, difficult thing to, to pull together. So I think, you know, and, and I, do, I do think that balance was, you know, especially during the Klinsman era. And I, I think the Klinsman era has a lot of other things we could talk about that were severe issues, but it did feel like, you know, they, they didn't know how to reconcile these two identities. And, you know, Bearhalter comes in and, you know, I think Bearhalter was one of those guys that, you know, he was around the national setup when it was that sense that it was, we will outwork you into the ground. And he's also, you know, you look at his time, in Columbus and what he's achieved there, you know, he's, he seems almost like the perfect guy to marry these two ideas together. And he did it very well. I mean, you know, he did it very well, but the other thing I'd like to point out is this was the first real test of what the future of the U S men's national team is, right? Like this is the first time that, you know, yes, Pulisic and all the rest of them were involved in 2019. Yes. They all had their, their roles to play, but it was never quite like this. And now we're seeing, and like this was huge, not just from a, you know, yes, it's a game against Mexico. Yes, it's a trophy. Yes, these matter. But it was a kind of an affirmation that, oh, the young kids now get it. And the young kids are ready to take that next step to be in these high pressure moments because they had that taken away from them, you know, the 2018 cycle, the 2019 cycle, and then 2020 took the entire year away from them. This was the first time, you know, and this was the time that, you know, it came to be that it had to be. And they took their moment, and they didn't just take their moment. They took their moment with a certain level of panache and grit and determination that I 
rarely do you see in a team. This was a huge moment for the program, for the future of the program. This was a massive win. Yeah, absolutely. We're always talking about the development of soccer and, you know, how many MLS players are there. Uh, Pulisic, you know, recently raised another trophy um, with Chelsea in the uh, Champions League. almost wanted to sing that. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> um but yeah, you know, you know, you watch so you watch the emotions, of course, like like understandably so uh, on Twitter. Everybody's hashtag Berhalter out, and you know that doesn't mean that Berhalter shouldn't be out later. But for me, especially right now in the midst of everything, I think, I think because it took the U.S. so long just to be able to find a coach, I think that it would be really detrimental right now, even if you're not a fan of Berhalter, to change the coach with so much at stake right now. I think, um, you know, love him or hate him, he, you know, the job is getting done. It's up to the guys on the, like you mentioned about the severe issues. I mean, yeah, I mean, the United States could not play out of the back. Um, you know, uh, we saw this against Honduras, um, you know, and, you know, there's weaknesses exposed. Um, you know, the, the U.S. struggles and they're vulnerable, you know, and, um, you know, I, we just need to get more attack. Yeah, go ahead. I think it's something interesting that Ethan Horvath and Tim Ream both really harped on in the post-match, especially Horvath, where he said, you know, it's a brotherhood, you know. we, you know, And, and, and this falls to, you know, McKenzie and, and Tim Ream, who I don't think necessarily had particularly great days against Mexico. I think they, I think Mexico knew exactly where they were going to hit mm -hmm. the weakness in the United States, which was just getting Tim Ream in one-on-one -on -one situations. But, you know, even Ethan Horvath basically said, look, you know, he, he said it's a brotherhood, like, you know, we fight for one another. And it was clear as day that, you know, I don't think the United States were particularly, you know, tactically overarching over Mexico. They definitely were not the better team. Mm -hmm. But it was just, you know, a guy made a mistake. That's fine. You know, Weston McKenzie and, 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 you know, that entire back line have an absolutely tragic error 90 seconds into this game. You know, like, and then, but instead of, you know, letting their heads get down, you know, instead of saying like, oh man, you know, we really screwed this up, and now all of a sudden everything's unsure. They're like, okay, you know, let's keep going, let's keep going, let's keep going. Did they ride their luck? Do I think Moreno was offside on the goal that was disallowed on the header right before halftime? I, yes, those ref calls. That was that was a close one, um, is what I'll say. Um, but again, it's it, man VAR. This was like an advertisement for it <laughs> for the chaos it can create. Um, but no, but I, I, I think you know. Isn't this the whole entire thing about, you know, major finals and, and, and tournament soccer writ large, which is you don't necessarily have to be the better team, but you have to be the more determined team. You have to be a little bit the smarter team. And sometimes you just have to ride your luck. And I'm okay with the United States riding their luck in this game. You know, did they have their moments? I think, you know, the movement to spring Pulisic on when he when he wins the penalty for the third goal is is, is pretty impressive. I mean, Mexico could not deal with the United States on set pieces the entire night. You know, had Guillermo Ochoa been a little less sharp, in the second half, I mean, probably, you know, Weston McKenney or, or, or maybe Jonathan Brooks gets, you know, one or two. Um, I mean, he came up with some, some pretty impressive saves uh, on the set pieces, especially in the second half. Um, you know, I think the, the, it, it was it was beautifully chaotic in all the right ways. But, you know, there's this is what the United States needed, you know, just a determined performance that didn't have to be flashy, but it had to get the job done. And that's exactly what they did. And... You know, it, it took some individual magic. I mean, Ethan Horvath coming in at the 69th minute and, you know, 
coming up pretty big in that in, in throughout him. Yeah, throughout extra time. Weston McKenney, who looked every bit like the player that dominated Serie A in the midfield. You know, Pulisic, you know, maybe didn't have his best game, but you know, the moment that Pulisic needs to step up, he steps up in a huge way. I mean, that penalty was far from guaranteed. You know, this 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 to me was the kid saying, All right, we're we're ready for this. You know, and, and, and that's a beautiful thing to feel, you know, going in you know, almost just 87 days away from our first World Cup qualifying match. You know, like, I don't think I felt this good going into the last cycle. You know, I, I think there was definitely some conversation in my head about, well, if they can get into the playoff, then, you know, they play New Zealand and that's, they can do that. This is kind of like, all right, I feel very confident about where we're headed in the next 87 days. Yeah, um, I mean, I want Horvath to be the number one keeper now. <laughs> well, I that's an interesting debate and he's definitely gotten some looks at it. Um, I just say Zach Steffen, considering his club situation is a little more settled. I also think Zach mm-hmm. Steffen's a better player in terms of the context of what Bearhalter wants the goalkeeper position to be. Nowadays, you know, obviously goalkeepers are not just shot stoppers anymore. They're almost pseudo quarterbacks to steal from American football. <laughs> yeah. I just don't think Ethan Horvath's that guy. Um, and Horvath has said, you know, he's, he's struggled at Brugge. You know, he's, he's not had the best of times there. I'd much rather go for someone a little bit more settled, but I have a feeling after that performance, some clubs are looking at Harvest saying, mm, I, I think we could use that, you know, sh- as a shot stopper. Yeah, just because uh, Stefan's been criticized uh, recently, you know, I I mean, I like him, um, but, you know, I don't know, just still still with the things that are moving forward with the decisions that Berhalter can make. Um, you know, everybody's got their, their strengths and their weaknesses. I mean, I don't know you want to use a uh, Horvath as a, as a sub <laughs> might be kind of an interesting, uh, well, thing. Definitely, I know that he uh, kind of got thrown in. I was going to say, if we ever go to PK is considering how well he stopped that PK, maybe that might be a maneuver. That's um, what I was thinking. <laughs> I will say, I think it, I, I think it is interesting. And, and, and one thing I'll give Bearhalter a lot of credit for is, you know, the, the, in the game against Honduras, they played that kind of proto aggressive four, three, three, and, you know, Bearhalter is stressed about, you know, trying to break, be able to break teams down with possession. And, and, and against Honduras, you know, they, they definitely struggled with that. I give Bearhalter a lot of credit for moving the shape into what he, he, he called it an adaptive shape, which basically meant that it could change the way, you know, it would turn into a 4-3-3 to a 3-4-3 to, you know, a 4-4-2 low block. You know, I give Bearhalter a lot of credit for doing that in a massive final rather than sticking to his tactical guns, what he felt comfortable with and, and you know, saying giving a lot of trust to some guys that have been on the outside looking in, you know, I think of, of, of course, Tim Ream. And then, um, you know, I, I think, you know, that, that confidence to, to be able to say, all right, I know exactly how this is going to go um, was, was rather uh, incredible. And, and I, I, I do give him a lot of credit for that. And, and I've, I've definitely eaten my words as the years have gone by since Verhalter was named head coach that, you know, I think, I think we're in good hands with him. Um, but I mean, what a, I mean, what a just chaotic 120 minutes. Yeah, uh, and, and a long match at that, uh, you know, I mean, like you said, 120 minutes. I mean, for some, for some of you, it might have just was a breeze. Uh, to me, I was like, it was, it was nail biting because, you know, you know, the U.S. were down and then they get one back and then they're, you know, then next thing you know they're down again and then three minutes later they're you know they level it and you just i mean i mean it it left you with uh (laughs) no recovery time (laughs) you know because then you're like okay you know the u.s get got this and like you said 
Um, you know, you thought in the 79th minute when uh, Lozano scored, it was over. Yeah, when one um, line I scored. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, like, you know, you thought it was done uh, by that point. And, and for the U.S. to level it, I really thought it was going to go to penalties <laughs> anyway. I really did. I really thought it was going to go to penalties. And then you have, uh, you know, Pulisic, uh, like you said, it's, it's not a guarantee just because it's a penalty. And, you know, when Mexico was awarded uh, a penalty of their own, I really thought that was it. I really thought we were going to penalties. I really thought, uh, or Mexico was going to win this. Like, I really did. And it's not because of the, the lack of spirit uh, from the U.S. men's. It's just, you know, you're running out of time. Um, and you know the art the you know the u.s men are, are very young and so they're able to keep up but but man what a exhilarating feeling for Pilish to score and then run up to the fans and, and shush them i, mean, <laughs> I don't even know what, what was i think what was the most hardening thing was guys like you know geo reyna and stuff who you know i never really thought they kind of had that level of swagger about them like showing mm-hmm. that they they definitely do like this team is not afraid they will not back down they will not be you know kind of you know, cowed into silence, if you will. Like the, 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 this, there is a bond around this team that is incredibly encouraging and incredibly just. It, it, it's heartening to see. In previous years, I think you know we, you know, it was it was a collection of individuals. This feels like a team. Yeah, that's actually a really good point that you say that because it it did cross my mind. Um, though this was something that Vanny had said for the Galaxy to play like brothers, and I don't know what it was about the U.S. men, but it felt that way like they were brothers playing and you know they don't really spend that much time in the camp together um you know so to be able to see them be able to thread that and and you know uh, you always kind of have Pulisic as like this absentee because he's always away with with in Europe right and um so to be able to have him as part of it for um I want to I'm just going to use the term glorified friendly you know to be able to to have him there um, also shows, you know, the, the U.S. men put in their, their A-team. Uh, you know, most of the teams put in their A-team uh, for this tournament. So it, it felt like it mattered more. Yeah, I agree. And I, and I think, you know, this was, again, as I said earlier, this was the game that, you know, you needed to see right before World Cup qualifying began, right? Like, these guys clearly get it. They, they're working together, you know, uh, were there some moments in this game where you're kind of like, oh, that's a little bit concerning? Yes, but yeah. that's fine. Those are fixable, and the, this is a big deal. I, this is a massive win for 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 a young group that needed. Yeah, abso- absolutely. And you know, as far as uh, Berhalter's tenure, um, a lot of people are saying, you know, depending on how the result is uh, with the Gold Cup, it might solidify that um again i'm i'm fine with it i don't think this is the time to make the major change like that um that said um it 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 does come down to the world cup qualifiers um and they'll start in july so you know in the meantime uh they get a little more practice against costa rica um you know because it is officially a friendly but i i think they should play it you know i mean like we were saying we don't think that the u.s men are gonna have the same uh a team the way that that they did for the others because you know why not just wait um but at the same time 
mm-hmm. I would legitimately be shocked if more than I'd say three of the starting 11 that played in this final play tonight, just simply because, I mean, just the, the emotional and physical exertion. I mean, I, I would be ready to be on the plane home after that. You know what I mean? Just, I would have yeah. had nothing left in the tank. And I think this is yeah, a good chance to see, you know, like a Eunice Musa or, you know, a Jackson Ewell or, or, or those guys, you know, kind of get, you know, uh, you know, like Daryl DK and stuff like that, you know, start to maybe imprint themselves more on the national team. Yeah, I I saw an article that said that the Gold Cup was the time for Berhalter to experiment. I'm like, no, you can go ahead and experiment. I get that, um, especially like you're saying, um, you know, it, it is international break and, and, you know, the Jet and everybody's still still on uh, the roster. But, yeah, rest, rest your guys' um, experiment building. I mean, there's already that depth there to me, um, but give, give them their play time. Um, experience, experience, and yeah, because that's the other thing with this young team. They need that experience, right? Um, you see a lot of uh, mistakes, and you know, obviously play because they because they need uh, that experience. So um, I think I think Costa Rica will give uh, you know run for the money, <laughs> um, and I, I think I think it'll I think it'll be an exciting match regardless. Well, I mean, this is also the match for you know guys like Anthony Robinson and. and- and Reggie Cannon and, and, and some of the guys that, you know, have a lot to prove, you know, th- like, for example, Tyler Adams, you know, he needs time to get back from injury. Perfect game for him. You know, Yunus Musa, you know, what exactly is his best role in the U.S. system? This is a perfect game to find that out. You know, like, these, this is the kind of game where, you know, you can answer, answer questions that you may, you know, kind of, I, I don't want to call it a throwaway game, right? Like no game is a throwaway game. Exactly. Every, every good national team can learn something from every time they go out there. But this is one of those games where it's kind of like, okay, you know, let, let's try this out. You know, like, let's see if this works. And I, I, I don't, I don't mind that. You know, I kind of wish, you know, and we should be getting a lineup here within the next hour. I'm, I can go check Twitter real quick. Um, yeah, like I, I expect it to be kind of experimental, a little bit more kind of, you know, let's, let's see what we have here, uh, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, 100%. Um, I, I think, you know, yeah, it'll be, you know, their last test before the the Gold Cup. Yeah, it's well, also the Gold Cup is going to be a little bit different than normal simply because Bear Halter's come out and said, look, you know, I think the, uh, you know, he, he basically said it's, it's it, the European players are going to get rest. Um, they won't really be involved in the Gold Cup. I'm okay with that. I think you know they mm. they definitely need it, um, considering how grueling the season was, and then having to do all that. Um, so we'll, I mean, we'll definitely see how the Gold Cup kind of takes shape. Um, but I, I think you know, kind of personally, the Gold Cup is always a, a fun footnote in the summer. I'm looking very much further to how World Cup qualifying begins and how that that process starts for the United States because it has to start on the on on, on the front foot. Yeah, and definitely, like, Costa Rica has a lot more to prove, so I don't think they're going to just take this game uh, lightly. I think um, this is one of those definitely winnable games for the U.S. men, but, again, you don't want to just assume that, right? Um, you want to you want to see that same uh, level of... Yeah. I think this is one of those games where... You know? I think this is one of those games where result doesn't necessarily matter as much as mm-hmm. process. Right, and, and that's what we're going to be looking at uh, especially when we record again, because it's still an international break. Um, but we definitely want to see the the tactics um, and, and develop and development in the U.S. men. 
excuse me, sorry, I, I had to get, drop my, my throat's still a little little rough, so I had to mute out because I didn't want to have everyone listen to my wonderful dulcet tones of coughing. <laughs> yes, of uh, it is uh, allergy season, you guys were. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, with that said, uh, San Diego's getting an NWSL team uh, led by many strong females, including Jill Ellis. Yeah, this. so when they announced Jill Ellis as part of the, the team that was involved, I, I immediately thought she was she was returning to a coaching role. Um, and I, and I, I, I've been on this pod with my concerns about Jill Ellis and what she is as a mm-hmm. head coach. But I think her as a president of this club and a president of soccer operations actually makes a ton of sense for her because she's a brilliant you know, manager of people, if, if that makes sense. You know, she's very adept at understanding the nuances between people's interpersonal relationships and, and maximizing the most out of, you know, getting the most out of people. You know, I, I think of bringing Abby Wambach back into the fold um, and, and, and finding it a, a very effective use for her after, uh, you know, Abby Wambach and, and the Federation were on the outs. Um, I think, you know, having her, you know, I mean, her connections, especially in the international game, especially in, in her home nation of England, um, but also here, you know, with her involvement in you know, college soccer for all those years before she, uh, you know, she moved into the professional ranks, um, that's invaluable. And so to have someone that, you know, knows the region, uh, but can also link you to high quality international talent and coaches, you know, the rumors that she convinced the um, Casey Stoney, the former head coach of Manchester, or Manchester United Women's, to take this job, like, that's an invaluable contact, you know what I mean? So it's a perfect role for her. Um, and it, it, it further highlights the, the, the global arms race that's occurring in the women's game. I mean, you talk about, you know, uh, Angel City FC and their initial hires. You know, the, you know, teams in NWSL now are making very big, you know, swings on pitches. And, you know, you hope that they land. But, you know, it's not just limited to the NWSL. I mean, competition for women's players of high quality has never been bigger. I mean, transfer fees are, are expanding at an exponential rate. And, you know, kind of the the dinner table that was the top clubs for the women's game, you know, you talk about, of course, you know, Lyon and, and, and in Germany, Wolfsburg and, and, you know, that, that dinner table is getting just a little bigger. And so I think, you know, this is, it's, it's an exciting time to be around, not just NWSL, but, but the women's club game in general. Yeah. And I'm, I'm definitely excited. It's, it's just so interesting to me that, that San Diego got a team before the LA galaxy uh, supplied one, but the reason I say that is because um, two years ago in 2019, you know, I was covering, uh, I was a credentialed media member uh, for the U.S. women, and you know that was back when I asked Mia Ham, okay, so when is LA um, getting a, a women's team? And Abby Wombat was there, you know, because it was like this this anniversary of uh, the women winning the the World Cup and whatnot, and so it was just such an interesting thing uh, at that time. So. Um, yeah, it is just really fascinating, and and you know, as an LA Galaxy fan, uh, you know, I the the Angel City women were not going to um, be affiliated with anybody, but you did feel that they were more LAFC sided. So it, it was kind of hard to um, um, go from there, um, you know, to to support just because like yeah, because of their connections and, and their affiliation. So. You know, until LA Galaxy actually get a team, uh, I'm going to support this way. Yeah, I will also say I think San Diego is is a massively underserved soccer market in this country, and this is like a perfect way for at least as 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 a native San Diegan 
to kind of show off like what we what we are in terms of our soccer uh, our, our soccer IQ. You know, I think it's going to be, you know, obviously you talk about the history of of women's soccer in, in San Diego, of course, being part of the initial WSL um, and 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 being one of the top teams in that league, and then of course uh, the, the the tragic folding of that league. This is going to be a big deal, um, and I, I think you know San Diego is going to treat it like a big deal. And I think you look at the you, know, you don't go out and grab Jill Ellis as president of your club and immediately make that announcement if you have no intention of being, you know, you know, you don't do that announcement without the intent of we will be one of the top clubs in NWSL within the first two years of our arrival. So I think that's going to be, you know, it, it's going to be very fascinating to see how that grows. I mean, they have, they've said they are, they have been given permission by NWSL to begin negotiations for, for signings, begin negotiations for uh, coaching staff, et cetera. I believe Jill Ellis said within two to three weeks, is the timeline they're looking at um it would surprise then that would confirm to me that they definitely have gotten casey stoney out of manchester um but you know again it's san diego's a big draw it's a it's a it's a good market it's a market where you can make a very immediate impact i mean you talk about you know the padres with 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 tatis and and what he's meant to this city you know i i can't imagine you know that you know if you're nws and you're looking at that you're saying you know what we can be just up there with that you know we can we can get players that carry that same cachet in the soccer world as, as he does in the baseball world. You know, I think, you know, there is ambition there. And I, it, it's, it's interesting to see, you know, the ambition of a lot of these NWSL clubs has, has grown in recent years. You know, you talk about before they were perfectly content with using just whatever talent was in the backyard, but now you're looking at clubs go out and sign, you know, a Jennifer Marojan or, you know, a Sarah Buhadi, you know, or, or, you know, like these top players from around the world. And I think, you know, it's an exciting time to be involved in NWSL. And, I, you know, if, if you have not gotten into it, now is the time. And, I mean, this team is, you know, this team is fantastic, you know, or is going to be fantastic. I, I can't imagine Angel City FC will settle for anything less than excellence. You know, I, I am of the hope that considering the fact that the Galaxy have a women's academy, I would love to see the Galaxy at least put something in their name in NWSL or in, you know, either or this, this young USLW league that has been created. Um, but yeah, it is an exciting time to be around uh, the women's game in this country as as it kind of begins it begins the next phase of its growth in terms of as a league, which is you know from stability to expansion to you know global prominence. And and I think we've finally passed the stability point, and now we're headed towards expansion global prominence, which I think is it's an exciting time to be around it. Yeah, I'm glad that you that you actually said that, um, especially about uh, the fan base. You know, it's it's going to be another year before uh, we get to see anybody take the pitch but um you know the the quote-unquote big names that angel city fc is gonna have first right um that's that's kind of the main thing that everybody thinks of um you know this is a chance to watch everything develop unfortunately the la galaxy uh broke down their girls academy um because kevin hartman was actually the the head of that and now um he's doing other things but the you know the whole the whole thing with the development i mean orange county is right there um and they've you know they've got their girls uh there and so um i I definitely think okay in san diego i mean who knows in a in a year but i don't think you're gonna see those quote-unquote big names that you see um you know which angel city fc but again you know you, you let your heart decide i mean as excited as i was and how much i like you know the rose gold uh, idea of Angel City. I I just didn't feel like it was my team. Like it like they were gonna represent, um, you know. And maybe San Diego will be geared more toward uh, Mexican fan base because 
you know, of the, the fans, <laughs> um, you know, and, and maybe even the involvement, um, not just because it's closest to the border, but you, you have to think, right? Like you were kind of saying earlier, um, you know, back to the U.S. men of like, you know, we don't like this terminology of like blue collar, but, but, you know, there's the rivalry of LA Galaxy and LAFC and like, who is the one that's for the people, right? And, um, and, and whatnot. And I, and I think that um, this, is a, this is a really great um, opportunity. I mean, it's still young. It's, it's had its already hiccups with, with sponsors, uh, with, you know, Angel City. But um, yeah, if San Diego plays their cards right, they can definitely get a lot of Galaxy fans. I mean, I'll come down and visit and we'll go to games, Christian. <laughs> yeah, it'll definitely, I, I definitely think it's going to be an instantaneous success here in San Diego. I, I, I really do. And I think, you know, the, the hiring of Jill Ellis indicates, as I said earlier, you know, I, I'll, I'll repeat this point. I, I don't think you're, you hire Jill Ellis with the intent of pulling some college kids off the scrap heap. You know, like mm-hmm. I, hiring Jill Ellis as your club president indicates to me there's definitely some huge names that they have targeted that they believe they can convince, you know, to come to, to San Diego and, and be a part of the foundation of this. You know, the name that, you know, at least I, I personally am rooting for, um, but like the two names that, you know, instantly spring to mind are, well, if you've got the former Manchester United women's manager, she was just working with Tobin Heath and Kristen Press. You know, there, there, there's a connection there. You know, they, I think, you know, what will define, you know, whatever, whatever name San Diego's team takes, and I, I guess we'll go with San Diego FC for right now as, as a placeholder, mm-hmm. I think what will define their strategy is, you know, Jill Ellis has connections that very few others have. You know, I mean, she won two World Cups. You know, she, the, 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 the Rolodex is pretty big. You know, and I think if, if she can use those connections and, and really kind of, you know, appeal on a personal level, and I think, you know, I'd, if, if I'm any other club in, in, in NWSL, you know, I'd be worried about exactly how much power San Diego C can bring to bear in terms of player acquisition. Yeah, and I'm, I'm here for it. I'm ready for it. I'm super excited. Um, yeah, and like Christian said, if you aren't following already, now's the time. And there's a reason I call this podcast Simply Soccer is because I want to be able to to cover that. Um, we'll see how much energy we, we have or no, not how much. We will uh, be covering uh, regardless, um, you know, as we do. Um, we'll try to keep some neutrality when it, when it comes to NWSL. But um but yeah it's it's definitely you know i can't wait to see them take the pitch and see what what more uh comes comes to develop over the next year it's it's an exciting time to be around it right now for certain yeah and then we did mention uh la galaxy so just a a little uh wrap-up of kind of what's going on uh there was an update uh from corner of the galaxy uh koulibaly's got um well got all the yeah, Kulabal has got all the paperwork sorted at this point in time, I believe. So I would assume he starts training with the team. Yeah, he's got all the, the paperwork, yeah. And then uh, they, they're waiting on that visa application for Rebel Lawson. Um Apparently they have a date, but they're trying to move it up. I, this is all very high-level embassy stuff that I'm, I'm not entirely familiar with, so hopefully they can get that done quickly. And, and you know, But I, I think out of the two, getting Kulabali in is much more important at this point in time considering just how defensively things look for the Galaxy right now. It, that's going to be a big one in terms of getting him comfortable over the next week and a half going into that game against Seattle on the 19th. Yeah, and and we'll definitely be bringing you a preview of, of that. But this is really exciting news. This is really, um, you know, great to see. We knew the summer window was going to have, um, 
more options for the galaxy. So and and more French players apparently. <laughs> but this is a, this is kind so, of so. Uh, thank you so much. Wait, wait. Let me make mm-hmm. one point here real quick. This is kind of interesting because yeah, all this business they've done early has been incredibly shrewd and smart. They now have a full summer to go out and kind of not necessarily they don't have to go out and strike big on pieces right they the, the foundations are here and they got it in early now it's a question of well what tweaks do we need or can we pick up a luxury player or something like that that puts them a little bit ahead of a lot of other clubs in MLS and that's a good place to be i think so i think you know again if they can get the summer window right you know this team is not you know maybe 10 parts away going into the summer window this team is maybe 3 or 4 and that's a very good place to be considering where we were in january Yeah, super, super exciting. Um, yeah, I'm so glad that you said that. Um, I lost a, a tweet that I was going to say where the Galaxy um, were looking into other um, development, not not just, you know, in France. But, hey, what, whatever works, um, uh, like you were saying about uh, the connections and, you know, that Jill Ellis has, uh, Vanny and DeClose, you know, they're really showing um, the connections that they've they've been able to work. So this is uh, really, really promising, and the Galaxy are already looking uh, good. So, you know, I definitely feel like this game against the Sounders is, is already going to uh, go better, of course. Um, what Jonathan Dos Santos is, is still recovering, um, but he should be ready against the, the Sounders. So um, we'll be there in person. Um, spoiler alert. <laughs> and uh yeah yeah and then the ga- the the stadium's gonna be at full capacity it's so, gonna be inc- um, incredible i'm so excited yeah yeah i can't wait to to tell you guys all about it so, by the way we have a, um, a a national team lineup that just that just happened about a minute ago so i i can run through it real good. quick yes um uh in goal ethan horvath is rewarded for um you know just a, a casual outing on sunday night um I told you. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like uh, Tim Ree, Mark McKenzie in the center of defense, uh, Anthony Robinson and uh, Reggie Cannon from the outside backs in the midfield, Tyler Adams, uh, our boy Sebastian Leggett, uh, Eunice Musa, and then in attack, Daryl DK, Tim Weah, um, excuse me, uh, yeah, uh, Daryl DK, Tim Weah, and uh, Brennan Aronson complete out the attack. Um, it's going to be interesting. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to see a couple of these guys, Brendan Aronson, I, I just, I, every single time I see something out of him, I'm always excited about it. Um, it'll be good to see Tyler Adams back. And of course, you know, we're rooting for Sebastian to, to continue to impress, which he seems to do every single time he puts on the jersey. So uh, I'm excited about this yeah, lineup. And, he's, and he attributed, yeah, I'm excited too. And, he, and uh, legit this morning, if you, if you missed it on Twitter, uh, he attributed the Galaxy uh, for his success on the U.S. men's team. So that was really sweet of him to say that um yeah i'm i'm very excited uh, we did kind of mention you know that we would see musa and adams uh and reggie cannon so it is really nice to be able to see um see horvath is you know everybody's getting their their experience they're getting their chance now um again you know um take taking these uh this friendly um very seriously so uh love you love to see it uh can't wait to be able to tell you more about it and um yeah stay tuned it's a it's going to be a fun summer of soccer ahead 
Oh yes, and the yeah the stadiums are going to be at full capacity. So what I was hoping is that we'll be able to tailgate. I don't know unless you guys are. I've heard I've heard tailgating will be allowed. I've I've heard it. Oh man, what a dream! Okay, I'm so excited. <laughs> yes, so much to look forward to. Thanks again for listening. Uh, we apologize for not being available on uh, Apple, but apparently we're not the only pod that's having that problem. So. Um, much appreciated, much obliged. Uh, you can listen to us on Anchor and Spotify and however you're listening to this now. So we really appreciate you. Thank you. Talk to you soon.